Well, hey, grab your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. The mission of Blue Valley Baptist Church is to glorify God by pe- helping people everywhere follow Jesus. Our vision to do that is to become a multiplying church that is actively establishing campuses locally and planting autonomous churches locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally by 2028, which is our 50th anniversary as a church. And if you've been here for some time with us, then you know we've, we've made some big steps in that direction. And, and today marks another huge milestone in our vision. As I said earlier, today is Compassion Sunday. It's the day where we will have the opportunity as a church to sponsor 200 children who live in Aldeas Altas, Brazil. That community is where we've helped plant a brand new church through an organization called Compassion International, who I hope you're beginning to be familiar with. And a key part of the ministry of this new church in Brazil will be to reach out to their community to care for the children who live there and live in poverty. In fact, a part of the building that is currently being built will be what they call a child development center where the children will gather multiple times a week and they'll be ministered to in all sorts of ways, including physically, mentally, and spiritually. But here's the deal. That can only happen through our sponsorship of these children. Through our partnership and our giving, we have an opportunity to transform a child's life, which will transform a family, which will transform an entire community. But before we get into the specifics of how you can sponsor a child, we need to first understand our why. Why should Christians be engaged in this kind of work? Why is this something that you or me should care about today here in Olathe, Kansas? Well, that's where Matthew chapter 25 comes in. If you found that in your Bible, would you please stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word? Matthew 25, verses 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who were blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, As you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, 
you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. You can be seated. Now, I don't want you to worry. The point of this message is not that if you don't sponsor a compassion child, you will go to hell. (laughs) That is not my point today. Rather, I want us to see that doing the kind of ministry we'll be engaged in in Brazil is a key part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's what this passage is all about. At this point in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus has been responding to a question his disciples asked him about the end of the world and when he'll return. He shared with them about that in Matthew 24. Then in Matthew 25, he tells three parables right back to back each about the day he will return. You may remember that a parable is a short story meant to communicate a spiritual truth. And the key to these three parables is that each one features a surprising twist. first parable is about ten young women who were supposed to be waiting for the bridegroom to return, but half of them were not prepared and they were surprised by his return. The point there is that we must always be ready for Christ to come back. The second parable is about a master who went away and he left some of his money for his three servants to take care of. The first two servants, they took what they had gotten from their master, they invested it, and they made more. But the last servant, he was scared, so he just buried it in the ground and gave back what was given to him. When the master returned, the last servant was surprised to find that he was punished. He was punished even though he didn't lose a cent, but he was punished for not multiplying his master's money. The point of that parable is that we have to take what God gives us and invest it in his kingdom. And when we do, we will be rewarded when Christ returns. Then there's the third parable, our parable today. We see in this story that Jesus comes back and he's sitting in judgment over all the nations. He separates people into two categories, sheep and goats. But the surprising twist in this one is not that he came back and not that he's the judge. Rather, it's the criteria by which he uses to judge the people. Look again at why Jesus says the sheep go to eternal life and the goats go to eternal judgment. Look at verses 35 and 36. Jesus said, For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the people on both sides, they hear this and they're stunned. They say, Jesus, when did we see you hungry or, or, or thirsty? When were you in jail? When, when did you not have clothing? I would think we would remember something as significant as that. Both sides have the same question. Here comes the next big twist. Look at verse 40. And the king, Jesus, will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Imagine the look on their faces of surprise in that moment. Jesus is not saying that he literally embodied people in need as some sort of test or something. But what Jesus is saying is that when you help the least of these, it's just as if you helped Jesus himself. Can you imagine if we knew that Jesus himself were here in Olathe and he was begging for food or needed some clothing or was sick in the hospital down the street? 
Now, I don't think a single one of us would refuse to act or help him. In fact, I imagine we'd be kind of fighting each other to be the one who gets to go and meet and help Jesus. And here he says, when you help the least of these, you're helping and serving me. Now, who are the least of these? He describes them as people who are in need, in a dire situation, the people who are hungry, thirsty, those in need of clothing, the stranger or foreigner, the sick and those in prison. And there is some debate if Jesus is talking about Christians or about all people in need. And, and I think, simply put, it's, it's, it's both. If you look at Jesus' words to the sheep on his right, he says to them, one of the least of these, my brothers. That, that language, my brothers, speaks of, of his, Jesus', Jesus disciples. But then when he speaks to the goats on his left, he says to them, one of the least of these. It's general. So I think Jesus is talking about both. We have a responsibility, we know, to care for Christians in need. But we also have a responsibility to serve all people in need, believers or not. Here's why. Because this is a mark of a true disciple of Jesus. Notice I said this is a mark of a true disciple. Jesus is not saying here that those who care for the least of these will go to heaven on that basis. We do not earn our salvation by helping enough needy people. That would destroy the idea of grace. It would be a works-based salvation. Rather, what Jesus is saying is that caring for the least of these is evidence of our salvation. It's, It's proof that someone is or is not a true follower of Jesus. And this is important because typically when we think of evidence for someone's salvation, this is not the one we tend to think of. A lot of times we measure someone's salvation by their personal morality, things they do or don't do. If you don't smoke or drink or chew or go with girls or guys who do, then you must be a Christian, right? That was the way we were taught growing up. Or sometimes we say we measure people's salvation by their spiritual life. If you go to church and you read your Bible and you pray before dinner, and you listen to Christian music, then you must be a Christian. But here, Jesus picks up on something that is really all throughout the pages of the Bible. A key piece of evidence for someone's salvation. A mark that someone is a true disciple of Jesus. Is how they treat other people. Especially those who are poor and in need. Do you remember what Jesus said were the two most important commandments, the greatest commandments? He said, love God. We know that one. Then he said, this one's right there with it. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, you can sum up the whole Old Testament right there. Love God and love people. The Apostle Paul, when he described the fruit of the Christian life, what we call the fruit of the Spirit, all those words he listed relate to other people. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are relational words. When Paul described his ministry and how the apostles accepted him as a missionary of the church, here's what he says they challenged him to do. Galatians 2.10, only they asked us, me, Paul, to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Paul said he was eager to care for the poor. John, one of Jesus' disciples, said this in 1 John 3, 17 and 18. He said, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. 
James, the brother of Jesus, said this in James 2, 15 through 17. He said, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. These guys, they were really just picking up on something they'd learned from the Old Testament. Listen to these verses. Proverbs 14, 31 says, Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. Proverbs 19, 17 says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Proverbs 21, 13, Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. Psalm 82.3, give justice to the weak and the fatherless, maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Psalm 140, verse 12, I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and will execute justice for the needy. And on and on and on this goes. We don't even have time to touch on the prophets and all they say about caring for the poor and the sojourner and those in need. My point is the Bible is abundantly clear on this. This is not just some kind of side issue or like a nice thing to do. This is a main issue. Those who know the Lord and follow Jesus must care for the least of these. It is a key marker. It is a vital piece of evidence that you are indeed a follower of Christ. And the opposite is true too. Those who do not care for the least of these prove that they do not know. And follow Jesus. That's what Jesus was teaching in this parable. And I think we can sum it up with this statement right here. We only got one point. Here it is. Those who inherit the kingdom later live the kingdom now. Those who inherit the kingdom later live the kingdom now. If we are citizens of heaven, if we're sons and daughters of God, if we're co-heirs with Christ, if we're members of the kingdom of God now, then we must live that way. If we're going to spend forever in a perfect place where there's perfect love and compassion and justice and righteousness, then we must promote and embody those things now. Those who inherit the kingdom later live the kingdom now. And one of the ways we live the kingdom now is by doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with our God. Particularly as it relates to caring for the least of these That's the pattern of Scripture. That's the pattern of Jesus. And that's the mark of a true disciple. That brings us to today and to our multiply vision. We have a unique opportunity to take what is so clear in Scripture and live it out. Praise God, we have a tangible and practical way to live the kingdom now. And that is through the ministry of Compassion International in Aldea Saltas, Brazil. The children and families who live in this community are among the world's least. This town is a remote rural community where they lack basic services like safe water and proper sanitation. The community has high rates of unemployment, a a lack of access to health care, and as a result, many vulnerable children. Aldeas Altus has a population of 26,000 and almost 58% live in poverty. Most adults work as day laborers and earn the equivalent of $39 a month. There are also issues in this community with violence and sex trafficking. Listen to this. Roughly one-fifth 
Of the 40,000 people rescued out of human trafficking in Brazil from 2003 to 2017 were born in the state where Aldeus Altus resides. So this is a community full of people who are in need of hope. Not to mention they have not had a church or a ministry there to bring them hope until now. Through our partnership with Compassion International, International, a little over a year ago, we initially provided the funds to build a brand new church building. You can look on our website and you can see pictures of the progress where they're actually the walls are coming out up right now as we speak. And Pastor Giovanni, who pastors this church, his family, his team, they've already begun to share the gospel, to teach the word, have church, and to bring the ultimate hope of Christ. And they've also enlisted 200 children who are a part of this community and who come from impoverished families. And that's where we come in today. By signing up to sponsor a compassion child, you get to provide for that child in many different ways. You provide for them physically with food, clothing, and proper health care and hygiene. You provide them with education opportunities, learning ways to better themselves to improve their community. You provide them with safety from a lot of the violence taking place around them. And you also provide them with a regular opportunity to hear about God's love for them and what he's done for them through Christ. Compassion volunteers, the people in the community, they also have opportunities to go into these kids' homes to meet their families, to minister to them too. That they get to be the kingdom of God in this community as they follow, call people to follow the King, Jesus. So can you see how this one little church plant, this one ministry, can begin to have a growing impact on the entire community that, spread, and that can spread far beyond just one town? Isn't that awesome? Now, I know a lot of you are thinking like I was when I first <clears throat> heard about all this. I said, sign me up. Take my money now. All right, I'm ready. Let's go. What do I got to do? Well, I actually want to pump the brakes just for a second. What we're asking for here is a long-term commitment. I don't want us to just rush into this without understanding that, okay? We want to do this prayerfully, thinking about the long term of this thing. And the commitment we're asking for you today is $38 a month to sponsor one child. Now, I know some of you hear that, and $38 a month every month is a lot to ask. You may be in a difficult financial situation right now and just simply can't make that kind of commitment. Listen, if that's you, I want you to know that's okay. There's not going to be any shame here if you're unable to help. There are going to be other ways to support this project, including most valuable of all, your prayers. But we want the people who do make this commitment to understand this is a long-term commitment until the child graduates high school. I also want to make clear that if you already sponsor children through our Food for His Glory ministry in Pune, India, and you cannot do both, then please continue to support Food for His Glory, which is another opportunity to care for the least of these. It's an incredible ministry, and I thank you for supporting that. But here's what I also know. I also know that some of you here look at your budget and you think, you know, $38 a month is it's not that big a deal. You might could even consider sponsoring multiple children. So there's no doubt in my mind when we consider all the ways that God has blessed our church between both of our campuses that today we can sponsor all 200 children, and our prayer is that we will. 
that we will all consider seriously how we can live the kingdom now by caring for the least of these, particularly the children of Aldeia Altas, Brazil.